Uh, today we're going to continue on our, our, our series entitled Reach. And today the, the, the topic of my message is preparing for a miracle. Preparing for a miracle. We, we all need to be prepared for God to do a miracle. We all say we want God to do miracles, right? I mean, don't you like to see miracles? But there's, there's some things that are required on our side for those miracles. And we're going to talk about that today. So for the last five weeks, we've been, we've been in this series entitled reach. And we've been talking about living beyond ourselves. That's what this whole series has been about. It's about living beyond myself, living outside of my capabilities, living beyond my talents, living beyond my ability to earn money, living beyond you with me. We're talking about living beyond ourselves. And why do we need to live beyond ourselves is to reach the community that God's called us to reach. Right? If, you, if you've been around long enough, you know we're a regional church. We're, we're going to, Pastor Bubba's vision is to plant 10 churches in this region. We're the second, we're the first plant. Crowley is now the second plant. We're on our third campus out of 10. And, and we're, I'm, I'm sitting here going, Pastor Bubba, we're going to run out of real estate. I mean, where are you going to put 10 churches? I mean, it might be a church in Gaydon. It might be one in Klondike. I don't know. But we're going to plant 10 churches and we don't know when it's going to happen, but we know we're going to take a step as God asked us to stay, take a step. And so we've, we're taking the step of planting Crowley right now. And let me tell you what's exciting to me is that Crowley is, is the, the church is actually starting in my house and I'm not the pastor. <laughs> in fact, I'm not even there and it's doing so good. I'm, I'm kind of insecure going, man, if I show up, is the numbers going to go down? I mean, it's like, like my house is a church and I'm not there. And I'm like, man, but it's been incredible. They've been averaging about 30 people a week and, and a bunch of kids. And so my, my kids are, are like children's pastors now. And, and it's just incredible. And so we've got people coming and this, this, you know, a lot of times you plan a church and it's a lot of the people from your other campuses come. It's not that it's, there's a bunch of people, a bunch of new people. And so we're just excited about that. We're, we're loving the momentum that God has us in right now. This, this, the whole reach campaign, this reach project, just going forward and, and having plans for the future. Don't, aren't you excited that it, this isn't just about us and Eunice? I mean, how many of you have been a part of a church that, you know, that this is our church. This is where we go. And we're just going to ride this thing out until Jesus comes. I grew up in a church like that. There was no vision. There was no mission. There was no living outside of ourselves. Right? I mean, I look at this thing and Pastor was going, we're going to raise a million dollars. Okay. Uh, over three years. Okay. But it's not about the million dollars. It's about we're going to reach people. We're going to plant a new church. And I'm going, you know, there's part of me that just wants to ride it out. Can I just be honest with you this morning? Part of me just goes, you know, I just want to hit the cruise control. You ever find yourself like that where you just you get in a maybe a fog in life and you say, man, can I just hit the cruise and take both feet off the pedal and get comfortable and just ride this out for a little while? You know, we could easily do that. We could say, OK, we're, we're one church, two campuses and Jennings and Eunice and woohoo. And we could just do our thing here in Eunice and and never plant another church in this region, another life giving church in this region. But God has called us to more than that. And he's saying to us now, live beyond yourselves. Trust me for something greater. Can I tell you that's scary sometimes? It's exciting. 
Right? I mean, I love planning the whole thing. I mean, you could sit down with the elders and all the pastors. And, yeah, well, we need to do this. And I feel like God's saying, nah, nah, and you wrestle through the whole decision. You go, woo, man, this is great. And then you get to go do it. Isn't that how it is? Lord, I want to step out. And, I want my own business. Lord, well, I got all these dreams of having my own business. And then you quit your job and you go, well, what am I going to do now? Right? So today we're talking about preparing for a miracle. In the last couple of weeks, just to recap, I've talked to you about resurrendering. We looked at the life of Abraham and how Abraham waited for the promise of God. A hundred years. He was a hundred years old when the promise of God came. And then God says to him, I want you to go and sacrifice him on the mountain. And Abraham loved God so much that he got up the next morning and went and did it. Can I just be honest with you? I would have procrastinated. I'd have had to go get some spiritual counseling. I'd have had to get some confirmation. I'd have had to, you with me? I mean, I'd have had to known that I known that I known and that everybody else around me known before I'm going to go bring my son up into the mountain and sacrifice him. But Abraham was so in love with God, so willing to do what God wanted to do that he got up the next morning and he went. And it was in the, in the, then the next week we talked about hearing God's voice and how Abraham heard God's voice. He heard God's voice to go bring him up on the mountain. But then as he's, as he's got him on the altar, I mean, his son's laid on the altar and he's got the knife and he's getting ready to sacrifice his son. Thank God he was able to hear God's voice. I mean, think about it. It's like, whoa. Okay. Think about his son. I bet he was glad his daddy could hear from God. There's a, there's a message in there. But he heard the voice of God. Then he had to, the next week we talked about obeying God's voice. And how it's great to hear his voice. Man, we all want to hear what God has to say. Man, Lord, speak to me, speak to me, Lord. But then when he says something, you got to go, oh, okay. Well, and then last week we talked about obedience and obeying God's voice. And how sometimes we just... We just disobey blatantly and we don't do what he says to do. And then sometimes we, we delay and we think, well, I'll put God off until he finds somebody else to do it. It's kind of like when your mama used to tell you to take the garbage out and you'd act like you didn't hear her. Right. Until she got fed up and she took the garbage out and you was like, yes. And she was mad at you for the rest of the day. God's not like that. But we talked about how delayed disobedience is the same as disobedience. And so today we're going to talk about preparing for a miracle. How many of you want to know how to prepare for a miracle? <clears throat> our vision and our mission here at our Savior's Church has always been to reach people and build lives. That's why we exist. That's what we're here for. We've seen miracle on top of miracle on top of miracle. This building you're sitting in, the person sitting next to you is a miracle. Look at the person next to you say, you're a miracle. <clears throat> I love telling the stories of how the miracles have happened, even in my own life and even the part of the, the church family that I'm involved in, that I'm a part of. I love telling about the miracles, but something inside of me goes, how does the miracle happen? How does it happen? So today I want to show you how, how a biblical miracle happens. Right before I jump in, I want to say this one more thing that next weekend is going to be our opportunity to come together as a church family and commit to three years in this financial campaign. 
Our goal is to raise a million dollars. Why are we raising a million dollars? Number one, we're going to extend. We're going to extend our reach. We're going to extend. That means we plant in Crowley. It costs money to plant Crowley. We're going to plant Crowley. Then we're going to expand. Jennings, the Jennings campus right now is, is running out of children's room. And they don't have any facilities for special events. So we're going to build a new building over there. We're going to add on to one that's, that's existing and make enough room to have children's church, enough room for them to have a, a good time. And then here in Eunice, we're going to enhance and we're going to remodel some of the building. But, but th- this is what I'm excited about. And I hope some of you, I heard somebody this week said they've been doing a drive-by. Remember I challenged you to do a drive-by? You do a little drive-by praying. When you pass in front of this property next to us, right here, this corner... And then that big old house back there, the one everybody keeps telling me is haunted. We're going to fill it with a ghost, though. Right? Because yeah. when the honey, no, I ain't going there. But I just, I want you to, I want you to pray. And I want you to, because I'm excited because we, we need to own this whole block. Are you with me? We're, we're, we're making preparations right now. We're having meetings about going to two services because the building's starting to fill up. And, and, and so we're going to have to go to two services. Well, you can only do two services so long. Maybe you can squeeze in three before people start hating you. Okay? But then sooner or later, you've got to build something. Right? So that's what I'm excited. I'm excited about the property next to it. I believe God's giving us this whole block. So when you pass, just put out a little, Lord, thank you. Some, somebody told me this. I, I'm praying that they, they give, the, give us the property. I'm like, hey, yes, I'm down with that. Amen. So how do biblical miracles happen? Go with me to John chapter 6 and Mark chapter 6 and keep your finger on both of those passages. And I want to show you today a miracle that is actually recorded in all four of the Gospels. It's the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. And you need to see this. It's the feeding of the multitude. You remember the story of the feeding of the multitude, the 5,000, the little boy with the bread and the fish, and how Jesus did the miracle. We're going to talk about that today, and we're going to look at it from two different accounts, because in that story is, is how to see or how to prepare yourself for a biblical miracle. Amen? So go with me to John chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, one of his disciples, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Watch this now. Jesus is good about this. He says, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. (laughs) That's a little canai, isn't it? That's what we call that around here, canai. And and like, you set me up, Jesus. All right, I I got you. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, the men, 
and in number about 5,000. So there was 5,000 men. Some people believe there was anywhere between 10 and 15,000 people because they didn't count the women and children in those days. Verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. As much, you need to underline that, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, you need to underline filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Wow. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's that's kind of like going to the to the to the Superdome for uh, for the Hornets game and feeding everybody sitting in the stands with one supersized value meal from McDonald's. Think about that. Just just put the numbers together. Anywhere from five to fifteen thousand people. This little boy shows up with his lunchbox. He's got five loaves of bread. I don't care how big the bread is. Let's just say the bread was this long. Let's give him some credit. You you and I both know mama's not going to send you out with five loaves this big for lunch. And two fish. And so there was a problem. It was getting late. The people were hungry. They'd been with Jesus all day. The Bible even kind of hints that maybe Jesus went a little long. He was long-winded that day. You know, preachers, we can get long-winded, right? You don't watch, I might keep you here till lunchtime. But out of this passage, we see a recipe. We see the making of 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 a biblical miracle. And let me give it to you. Number one, a biblical miracle begins where there is a need. It begins where there is a need. Jesus had been teaching all day and it's getting late. The people were getting hungry and needed to eat. It, it, was, a, it was a definite need and a definite problem. You think about that 10 to 15,000 people or 5 to 15,000 people and, and, and they're hungry. You know how you get when you get hungry, right? A little grouchy. Don't touch me. Get out the way. Right? Go to a buffet when you're starving. Nobody moves fast enough. Can I get an amen? There was a definite need and a definite problem. And by the way, isn't it interesting that Jesus is always running into needy people? You got any needy people around you? Every miracle in the Bible begins where there is a need or a problem. The good news is that most of us have a problem. And the better news than that is is that if you have a problem, you are now qualified for a miracle. So say this, say this with me, say, I'm qualified. I'm qualified. You know, the only people that I really get worried about are the ones that don't have a problem. I'm I'm good. Right? How you doing? Oh, everything's perfect. Uh Uh-oh. I kind of poo loo. It's just me. The real problem is that you don't need God is what you're saying. Our church right now is in a position of a, of a miracle. We need a miracle. Our mission and our vision is to reach this community, this region, 
to reach people and to build lives, and we need to do that. We have a real need and a real problem. So we're the perfect candidate for a miracle. Amen? Number two, a biblical miracle begins where there is a need sensed by a group of people. The disciples were starting to freak out. When you read Mark's account, the disciples actually approached Jesus and said, Hey, man, send these folks home. Lord, it's getting late. I mean, come on. <laughs> and they know you, you don't expect us to feed these. Come on, man. That's I'd have been like Jesus for real. Seriously, you know, we can't feed all these people. Send them home. It was sensed by a group of people that there was a problem. Mark six thirty eight says when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, there is a deserted. This is a deserted place. And already the hour is late. <laughs> Here's the important thing. The important thing is, is that they brought the need to Jesus, right? That's step one. You got to bring the need to Jesus. Amen. Too many times we want to sit there and hold our need. I got this. Don't worry, Lord. If I get in a bind, I'll call you. Right? It's called pride, isn't it? They brought the need to Jesus. But here comes the sticky part. <laughs> what do many Christians do when they have a need? We'll tell Jesus about it. When you can't handle it, what happens? You go to, you go to Jesus with it. You say, Lord, I need this. And then what do we do? We step back and we watch him. Or maybe even you do this. You say, Lord, I need this. And then you go back and you sit down and you go, all right, do it. You might even sing songs to him while he's performing your miracle. Worthy is the Lord. Worthy is singing song. You might even quote scripture to him while he's performing your miracle. Right? And the whole time, what you did is you stepped to the side and you said, God, I need a miracle. And you moved out the way. He said, Okay, now do it. Woo! Come on, Jesus, you can do this. Yeah, you got this. It's all you. Anybody ever do that? Feel like we don't have any part. I think that's what the disciples were trying to put on Jesus that day. They were saying, Lord, look, the hour's getting late. <laughs> These people are going to get angry because they're hungry. Go ahead and send them away. Because they didn't want to do anything about it. Oftentimes what we're looking for from God is not a miracle, but magic. The truth is, without God, we cannot, and without us, he will not. I'm going to say that again. The truth is, is without God, we cannot, but without us, he will not. You see, because here's the deal, is God chooses to use us to perform miracles. He chooses, for, he chooses us to participate with him on the miracle. Right? He wants us to be involved. He doesn't want you to say, Lord, here's a need and then move out the way and let him do it. You got to already know that you can't perform the miracle. I can't perform a miracle myself, but God can use me to perform a miracle. Amen. So without God, I cannot, but without me, he will not. Mark six thirty seven says, but he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. 
So here they come, the disciples come, Lord, we need, we need, we've got to feed these people, Lord, send them away. Look at what Jesus does. He goes, okay, good. You give them something to eat. You've heard me share the story of the time I complained about the children's pastor, right? This will teach you a lesson about complaining about your pastor. I said, I went to Pastor Bubba. I said, man, this, this guy you got teaching the kids, man, just, it ain't working, Pastor Bubba. And I just, you know, it just ain't right, man. He goes, I hear you. About a week or two later, he goes, hey. I need you to be a children's pastor. <laughs> uh, well, I, did, I, I didn't mean me. <laughs> you, know, I just, you just need to get rid of him. <laughs> right? Not me. Jesus said, you feed him. We all know God can do great things. And wants to do great things in our church and our community. Through the REACH project. But without our involvement with him. We'll not see the miracle happen. Think about Noah for a minute. God asked Noah, you want to protect your family? He said, yes, Lord. He said, good, build an ark. Think about the lame man. Did you say, you want to be healed? He said, yes, sir. He said, pick up your mat and walk. Wow. He wants our participation. Amen. He wants us to be involved. He wants us in close proximity of what's going on. You realize that the Bible is written by people that were in close proximity to Jesus. You with me? Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew where his disciples were going to go. He just kept them close. He said, come on, you need to come with me. You need to be a part of this. You need to feel the emotions of this. You need to feel the weight of this miracle. Are you with me? Think about it. He brought his three favorites with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember that? Those guys experienced something that all the rest of the disciples had never experienced. A miracle in itself. The feeding of the 5,000. Who passed out the bread? The disciples did. Who went and found the little boy with the lunchbox? The disciples did. Right? Right? He wants us in close proximity because he wants us to feel the weight. He wants us to carry. He wants us to have the experience. Come on, somebody. He wants us to experience the miracle. Number three, a biblical miracle begins where there's a need sensed by a group of people and they step out regardless of the odds. John 6, 8 to 9 says that one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? They found the one little boy, the only boy who came with resources. Think about that. The only one that was prepared. The little boy and his five loaves and two fish. And the disciples, I mean... Think about, let's just call the brother Jimmy, okay? Little Jimmy. Little Jimmy's walking around. He's hearing Jesus preach. He's having a great time. He's got his little Superman lunchbox, right? And he's walking around, and and one of the disciples comes, and little Jimmy hears that they're looking for food. What do you think Jimmy did? Let's just get real. That's what I would have done. I would have hidden my lunchbox behind a rock. I'll come back and get this later. I don't have nothing. Right? Aren't we like Jimmy sometimes? 
when God, when God asks us for something or he, he moves on our heart or he gives us a passion for something. And then he says, okay, I want you to go. He says, he says, makes a statement. I want you to go feed them. Or I want you to go meet their need. Or I want you to go do this. Aren't we like that? Sometimes we kind of want to hide. I don't have nothing, Lord. Right? Why is it so hard to give up our lunchbox sometimes? Why is that? Let me give you two reasons. Number one, it's hard to care for others when we are comfortable ourselves. It's hard to care for other people when we're comfortable ourselves. Man, I can't tell you, I remember back in the day before I made any kind of money, before I had any kind of success, I wanted to help everybody. Right? Because I was a man in need and I knew I had needs and I wanted to meet other people's needs. You with me? But then all of a sudden, I, God blesses me because I met some people's needs. I used to pray for $10 bills to, to show up so I could buy kids blow pops for children's church. Because I wanted, to, I wanted to see the excitement. I wanted to be able to meet needs and all these things. But then I started getting successful. I started making a little bit more money. Things started going my way, so I thought. And I got comfortable. And I stopped. And my lunchbox became important to me right for somebody today their lunchbox is too important you know when I, I come home in the afternoons and I've had a hard day or even just a regular day or even a light day I come home and the first thing I'm looking for is my recliner mine not my wife's my recliner why mine because mine's already broke in for me right And I sit in my recliner. Listen to me. When I make it to my recliner, in my mind, you can't ask me for anything else after that. That's my that's my literal punching of the clock. Okay, my wife knows this, so she sees me heading to the recliner. (laughs) Ladies, you know what's happening, right? Oh Lord, there he goes. I better catch him now. Hey babe, hey hey, sweetheart, can you come see for a second? Can you do this? Because she knows when I hit the recliner and I get comfortable. I don't want to do anything. Anybody else? James, me and you. Mr. Okay. All right. Holy Spirit's moving this morning. (laughs) Conviction and revelation. Wow. Just be careful when you go home. Your wife's going to remind you. You know, a life lived only for yourself is boring. Isn't it? You know what happens when you live for yourself? Eventually you get tired of who? Yourself. You get tired of yourself? I get tired of myself. The second reason why it's hard to give up our lunch is because God often asks us to do things that don't make sense. I can't imagine all you analytical people. Okay. And God bless your soul because the rest of us need you. Seriously. But you number crunchers, people that have to have all the answers and figure everything out ahead of time, man, God bless you. Because I don't know how you do it. You follow me? Because it's hard enough for me to try to make sense of things when God asks me to do so. I can't imagine if I was like that. Are you with me? But oftentimes he asks us to do things that don't make sense. And so we kind of go, that don't make sense to me. Think about the 5,000 men and the little boy with his lunchbox. Did that make sense? Does that make sense? 
five loaves of bread and two fish to feed at least 5,000 men. That don't make sense. Can I tell you, his disciples were probably standing there going, now what's he going to do now? How's this one going to work out? I'd have been thinking, okay, what's the backup plan when the first 10 people get fed and the rest of them don't? We're really going to have an eruption. Right? It just don't make sense. But let me tell you something. Welcome to the supernatural. Welcome to the power of God. Welcome to a relationship with Jesus. It don't make sense. You haven't made sense since the day you gave your life to Jesus. That's why everybody thinks you're weird. Because you fell in love with somebody you've never physically met. He often asks us to do things that don't make sense. Faith gives because God asks for it, not because it makes sense. Let's think about the kid for a minute. Can you imagine the kid later on in life when he has kids? I mean, come on, you all got a pawpaw that sits on the, on the porch in the old rocking chair and tells you about the good old days. You remember the good old days? Think about this guy, little Jimmy, when he grows up and has kids and somebody new comes over. Hey, let me tell you about the time. You know what his kids go? Oh, Lord. Here it comes, the bread and the fish story. Exit stage right. Heard this story a million times. The kids are sitting there like, Come on, Dad, you got to get a new story. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. It talks about like Abraham and Isaac and Moses and all those guys. And the Bible says that they're cheering us on. They're saying, go champ. Come on, team. You can do this. You know, some little Jimmy's there and a bunch of others that don't have a name. Right. And they're cheering us on. And let me tell you, if Jimmy could speak today, let me tell you what Jimmy would say. Jimmy would say that as long as you put something in God's hands, he can multiply it. Jimmy's a believer. Jimmy had his little lunchbox. He saw his little lunchbox feed over 5,000 people. I don't care what you tell that boy after that day. He's not denying Jesus and the power that is in Jesus. Amen. He's not denying the miracle working power of Jesus. He's not denying that miracles can happen. People can come up to him and show him some kind of weird scripture that says miracles don't happen today. And you ain't going to pass that by Jimmy. You know why? Because Jimmy got involved in the miracle. Jimmy jumped in and gave God whatever he had. And God took the little bit he had and he's the one that multiplied it. Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks for it. And then he started breaking it into pieces and giving it to the disciples. So the disciples take it and they run out there and they give, you know, let's say they have them broke up into a hundred. He gives this, this load, this load to a hundred and he, and he runs back and he gets some more. He comes to the next hundred and he goes here. And the whole time they're laboring. You with me? They're working. They get the next basket. They run to the next ones. They go, man, this ministry is hard work. And they run and they run back. And they keep going. I'm really not, I'm pretending to breathe this hard. And then, and then they run and he, he hits the next hundred. All right. Then he comes back. I mean, there's at least 5,000 men. And he, he grabs another one and he comes back and he, he gives it to them. And he comes back. And when it's all said and done, they kind of go, Phew. dude, that was some work, man. 
Where'd all that bread come from? And they look, I bet there was an aha moment for the disciples. There had to be. There had to be a moment because I've been involved in miracles before. And it seems like when the miracles happen, sometimes it gets a little cloudy. Sometimes it gets a little mysterious. And, but then at the end, you kind of look up and you see the miracle and you go. What just happened? What just happened? And I bet the disciples were sitting there going. And little Jimmy standing there next to him going. And then Jesus says, all right, guys, get the baskets. Go pick up the, pick up the leftovers because I don't want to make sure we don't waste anything. <laughs> really? Five loaves and two fish? You worried about wasting something? And they come back with 12 baskets full of leftovers. <laughs> if the disciples never step out in faith, they never get the leftovers. They never get the experience. They never get to have that intimate experience with Jesus that nobody after them was able to have. Are you with me? No, that they, they had, they were there. I mean, by the campfire that night, they're talking war stories. They're asking questions, man, where, where'd that come from? How did God do that? Who is this man we're following? Does that make sense? God wants us to participate in the miracle. He wants us to be in close proximity. He wants us to be involved in the miracle. Amen. I mean, right now, listen, we're asking you to make a three year financial commitment is what we're asking you for. Do you know I'm asking myself the same question? And you know what my tendency is? My tendency is to, this is what I did the other night. I'll just be open and honest with you. I sat down because I, I still don't have an answer from God. I make my commitment tonight. And, I, and I, so I'm sitting here and I, the way it usually works is me and my wife will pray and then we'll come together and we'll pray together. And then we'll, I'll say, God, give you a number. She'll say, yeah, but you tell me yours first. And so I'll tell her mine first. And then usually hers, she goes, oh, let's go with your number. Or something like that. So that's the way it usually works. So I don't have a number. So the other night I'm sitting there because I got to make my commitment tonight. And so I pull out my, my calculator. I'm going, okay, if I do this, if I can pick up a few more grass cuts, if I can do this, if I can do that. Oh, it's going to be hard work, but I, I think I can give a pretty good chunk. Man, okay. All right, that's what I can do. And so in my mind, I figure out what I can do. You follow me? And if I'm not careful, I will just stop right there. But you know what happens if I just do what I can do? The miracle doesn't happen. If Jesus would have said, well, let's just take the ones that let's just let's just. Let's just take this and we'll just give it to the first few people and then the rest of them will just have to fend for themselves. That was an option on the table, right? God can only multiply what you offer him. In the hands of little Jimmy, he had five loaves and two fish. 
in the hands of Jesus, he had a massive feeding with the same five loaves and two fish. What's the difference? What made the difference? Whose hands it was in. Amen. Whose hands is it in? I've been challenging you for the last five weeks to not pray, God, what can I do? But to pray, God, what do you want to do through me? Because that's a, to me, that's a, that's a real sacrificial, a real, a real surrendering kind of prayer saying, God, what do you want to do through me? So for me personally, I've got, I'm at this kind of a place and I got to make a decision. Am I going to do what Jamie can do? Or am I going to trust God what he wants to do through me? Can I be honest with you? This one here looks like a lot of hard work. This one here is real scary. It's real scary. This one here, I'll be tired at the end of it. This one here, I'm going to have some aha moments. This one here, I'm going to have some stories to share about how God showed up when I didn't think he could show up. About how the impossible happened. Amen. So let me show you three levels of giving. And then we'll try to close this thing a little bit. Three levels of giving. The first level is what can I afford? What can I give without giving anything up? Let me tell you something. This is the lowest level of giving because it requires very little faith. What can I afford? I can afford to do $20 a month. I can afford to do $5 a month, whatever. Don't focus on the number. Okay. For some of, for some of us, $20 is a lot. Amen. The second level of giving is what can I sacrifice? And this, this is where you you ask the question, what can I give only if I give something up? This is still a, a natural realm because, because you can see it and you can understand it and it makes sense to you. Amen. And then the third level is what can I trust God to do through me? That's where the supernatural happens. It's God. What can you do through me? What can I trust you to do through me? That's the faith commitment level. Let me tell you what that does. When you say that, when you say, God, what can you do through me? You know what you do? You create what I call God room. You create room for God to move. Amen. That's what you create. You create God room and you create an environment where God can show up and do something incredible. Man, you quiet this morning. I should have ran around the church. I knew it would have helped out a whole lot. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Will you trust God? Will you ask God to move through you, your biggest gift yet? I'm asking you to trust God that if he gives it to you, he'll get it through you. And then I'm asking you this. Will God be pleased with your commitment? You need to ask yourself that question. When you commit to the house, when you commit to the mission and the vision of this church, you need to ask yourself. Is God going to be pleased? A couple weeks ago, I talked about how I've made sacrifices in the past where I thought they were great sacrifices. (laughs) But honestly, they were just comfortable sacrifices. They were ones that I could just calculatedly do. I could just, they were 
calculated sacrifices. I was just getting ready to invent a new word. So that's what we're going to do next weekend. We're going to make our commitment. And let me tell you something. This project, the REACH project, is first not about the money. Are you with me? It's not about the money. It's about the people. You got to know this. This is our heart. This is where we, this is where it all comes from. It comes from a passion and a desire to reach more people and build more lives. There's going to be more church plants. There's going to be more buildings built because the, the church is growing and the church should be growing because anything that God touches and breathes on grows. We should be running out of room. We should need to purchase new properties. Amen. You with me? You excited about this? Listen to me. I am scared and excited at the same time. Can I just be honest with you? I'm with you. I feel you. I'm I'm 100% with you. It's like I told my wife this morning. I just want to see the supernatural happen. I want to see it happen. In the family of churches and also in my family. I want to see God do something that I, I just, I can't imagine. Amen. Would you stand up with me this morning? So I can pray for you next weekend. You're going to get a, a, a commitment card and <clears throat> I'll explain it to you how to fill it out. And we're also going to give you a card that, that gives you some creative ways to give. You'll get all that next weekend as we make our commitments I'm excited about this and I'm excited about the future of our church. I'm excited about where we're going. We're going somewhere. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for all that you've given us. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. I thank you that every person represented on this card, Lord, for Thelma, for Blaine, for Scott, for Paula, for Tina, for Dale and Connie, and for Patty and Dwight, Father, they qualify for a miracle right now. And so many more, even folks in this room right now, Lord, we qualify for a miracle. We have a problem or we have a need. Lord, I thank you that a miracle is going to happen. I say miracle happened in the name of Jesus, Lord. And, and whatever we need to do, Lord, just tell us and, and, and give us the backbone and the courage to step up and do it. And so, Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I want to join in with you. In these miracles. I want to be like the disciples and, and pass out the, the miracle. Lord, I want to be like the little boy and be responsible for, for starting the miracle, Father. So, Lord, use me. Use our church. Thank you that you've given us a bigger vision than just Jennings and Eunice. But, Father, you've given us a vision for Abbeville and for Crowley and for Kaplan and Lake Arthur and Welsh, Father. And for Kinder and for, for Vilplatt, Father. For all these areas, you've given us a greater vision to reach more people and build more lives. Thank you, Lord. I bless your holy and righteous name. I just declare your goodness upon this earth and in this church. The goodness, the faithfulness, the miracle working power of God. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.